0: Acts chapter nineteen and verse verse twenty-one. Have Amen when you got it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Because we wanna be we wanna want the word changes, don't we? That's what the word of God. When we read the word of God, it's like a mirror. And if there's something wrong with our life, well I want mine changed. Don't know about you, but we want it changed. Amen. To be more like him, the Lord. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, my God, that you're able to come around your word tonight, my Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you minister, my Lord, to our hearts tonight, my Lord, through your word. That the Jesus Holy Spirit, Spirit take your word, my God, and challenge us, my God, change us, my Lord. And Lord, let's listen with a willing heart, my God. We thank you, my Lord Jesus, Lord, for dying for us upon the cross at Calvary, Lord. And we thank you that you're alive forevermore, my Lord Jesus. And we thank you for your living word. Change us, O oh Lord. In your name, Lord. Amen. Right. So it's a long reading, but let's, let's go, let's go, um, Chapter 19, verse 21. It says, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit that when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must go and see Rome. So he went into Macedonia. Two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Aristus but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines to Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul was persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is his trade of vows in danger, or falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, "Great is Diana of the Ephesians!" So the whole city was filled with confusion. And rushed into the theatre, and with one accord having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples were not allowing. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were friends, sent of him, pleading that he would not venture into the theatre. Some therefore cried one thing, and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude of the Jews, putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make a defence to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one cry, with voice cried out about two hours, greatest diner of the Ephesians. And when the city clerk heard, heard had quieted had the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus. What man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have this case against anyone, the courts are open and there are procouncils. Let then bring charges against one another. But if you have any inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly, for we are in danger of being called into question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give an account for this disorderly gathering. And when they said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So Paul is still in Ephesus at this point. Uh, in chapter 20 he says he was there for three years. So he's three years with them. That's a long time for Paul to be in one place. Because I think in a, when he was at Thessalonica, he was, he was either there for 20-something days or a few months. So for three years, there's a lot of work to be done here. Because Paul was a missionary, wasn't he? Well, he planted churches, moved on, and done another, started somewhere else. But he was here a long time. So a, and this city of Ephesus... They had a lot, go, a lot put, put to them. If you know the book of Revelation, chapter 2, it was written, it was Jesus wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. He said, Look, you've, you've done the right thing. He said, You've, like, about all the, the wolves and things like that, which, they, which come in. And he said, You've done right. You've done good. He said, But I've got this one problem. You've left your first love. They've done all the commands, but Jesus wasn't in it. They forgot about him. They're so busy about the work of the Lord that they didn't realise the Lord weren't there, in it. Yes. And that's what we've got to be careful of. Because look, we can all do things in the flesh, but we've got to make sure Jesus is in the centre. He's the centre of the work. And Paul, Paul wrote to him, when we get to it in a couple of weeks, I'll read the verses now in Acts 20, verse 29 to 31. Paul warned them about wolves coming in, he said, For I know that this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among themselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years it did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. See, Paul's warning them as well. He loves these people. And he knows when he's gone, there's going to be wolves coming in. It's because he loved them. Remember Sunday, we talked about the, the good shepherd and the hireling. You know, when wolves come, the hireling goes. But that's why we've all got to be careful, haven't we? We've all got to be careful about a doctrine, about the way we take in the word of God, about what we're taught, because it's important. Paul, the, Paul loved these people. You don't talk to someone and, and cry your eyes out, warning them with tears. Look, this is coming. And when Jesus, in that letter later on, said you've done that right, that was you've done that right, he said. But then you forgot about me, because I can I can read that. You can get listen. It's the best knowledge book in the world. Let's be fair. It's the best knowledge book in the world, but I can, I can read it just for knowledge. there has got to be love there, aren't they? Paul says, without love, I'm nothing. And, that's, and everyone, every one of us has got to be that. They had so much going for them, right? They had this, they had Paul was there for three years. Church history says the Apostle John was there after Patmos, after he read the Book of Revelation. He was in the island. They, uh, it says Mary, Jesus' his mother, was there. So had a lot there. Do you know what's left of it today? Ruins. People are digging up stuff there. That's it. The only part of the Temple of the we've come to, the only main part of that is in the British Museum. Quarter of a pillar of it. You know, it's, it don't matter how much he's put into a place. If Jesus ain't in it, listen, it just it goes somewhere else. Now, don't ever think we're too big, or Charles Sutton gets too big that we're too important that Jesus can't start up a new work somewhere else. Because once he gets to a point, and listen, you go through our history, go through our history, every movement as their day, every movement you can go through history. Once things all start coming in, when they start taking on things of the world, what the world's doing to try and bring it into the church, The church ain't holy no more, is it? So, God goes, no, can't put nothing else there. I'll start somewhere else. That's why it's so important. We gotta to stick to the word. We stick to the word of God. Listen, and Paul the apostle stuck to it, didn't he? He stuck to the word of God, and it was left for dead in some places. He went, because... Listen, it's important, isn't it? It's important... To st- the Word of God is important. It's important to my life. You know... Listen, and you think, he warned them night and day. And he was there. Right, Paul, Paul's there witnessing the one... He's dealt with... This is what he dealt with there. Last week, the brother preached... They come against the occult. So they had occultism in Ephesus. This is what... This is his opposition. He had hostile opposition... From the Jews and the Gentiles. That was attacking him on both fronts. It was against demonic forces with the the occult. And his ministry we're going to read, ended in a riot. That's what it ended with. This is when he left there. This is what he left after this, after this riot. Right? But this is all he went through when he was there. And yet, and that encouragement for all of us. I find that encouragement in my life, my walk with the Lord. Because every one of us is going to have problems. We're going to come up against things. Listen, people are going to get hostile to us. you tell enough people about Jesus, you come across some people. The, the enemy, only a real battle against the enemy we, we face. Don't the enemy attack us? A fight ain't against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers and darkness. The battle's in the heavenlies, in prayer. That's where the battle is. Don't we come against that? Um, I don't really want the riot in my life, to be honest with you. I don't like to uh, fuss about that. But and it's an encouragement to me that even though Paul went through all that, the plan that God had still went through, didn't it? The plan that God had still went. And listen, I'm told us in, in our lives. We, want, we all want God to do our work in our own lives. It's not easy. I remember someone put a picture on something once. They had a man riding a bike. And there's a drawing, the the pathway there, and then he went, the valley that way, then he went straight a bit, then he went up a big mountain, for all the hard weather and things like that, and he had go at the start and finish at the end. But that's what the Christian walks like. It's it's not easy. Some parts are going to be so smooth and so easy, you're just coasting. But then something's going to knock you down. And we're going to be in a right old valley, and it's going to take the Lord, not us, it's going to take the Lord to get us out. It's not an easy thing, and as you get older in the Lord and older in life, you realise how harder it gets. It don't get easier as you go on in the Lord. When I was first saved, I don't think nothing could have knocked me down. I don't think, right? God changed my life. I was twenty-two, I think, when I got saved, and I got—I was nothing could do. I was—I to tell people about the Lord. I was a old drunkard, God set free. But then as you get older, then problems in life start coming with families and things like that, and your loved ones start to go. And unless, there they are, these bells. I could take someone calling me names all day long. It don't really bother me. Right? St- sticks and stones and all that, I ain't bothered. There's not... I, so what? I'm 40-odd year old. What do I care about that for? But you know in this family and people you love and... Things that happen here, it's harder to... It's easier than anyone that's ever been smacked in the face. Right? An old bruise heals up. Quick, doesn't it? A few days, it starts to go. But inside, it could take years. It could take years. And and when I was younger, I didn't realise that. I thought I knew it all. And when I thought, I thought I knew it all. But I never. And the Lord's took me through lessons where I've had to learn it. But God's still got his plan. It do not matter what we go through, God's got his plan. And we're going to find that out with Paul in a minute. Because he's gone here and he's, he says, he's, uh, he, he, uh, where are we at? Verse 21. He says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in spirit and he passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after there, I must go to Rome. And he talks about leaving his companions in this place. He says, Paul purposed in his spirit, Paul purposed in spirit to go to Rome. That was Paul's purpose, to go to Rome. Paul knew his time at Ephesus was done. He was there three years. And I read a, uh, a commentary the other day about it. He said a missionary's job is to do their self out of a job. To plant a church and go somewhere else. Paul's time was done. He knew his time was done. But now he wants to go to Rome. And he purposed in his spirit... And this verse, I love this verse, it reminded me of it. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And listen, that's true of what Paul gets to run. That's true. Because Paul didn't, and listen, when you read, we're going to go through the book of Acts. When you read it, he ends up going to Jerusalem. His plan was go to Jerusalem, leave there, let's get to Rome. So, you know, go from there, sell, get to the Rome, go to... It must have been smooth in Paul's mind. He wanted to visit there. When he really got to Jerusalem, they ended up taking him captive because he was going to get killed. They had to take him by armed guard out of Jerusalem. Then he was shipwrecked on the way to Rome. He went through all that, and in fact, his death was at Rome. But he went there. See, so his purpose in his spirit was, on going to Rome. Right? But how was God's purpose how to get him there? It's a lot different, isn't it? It's not just plain sane. And we can think, right, look, we're praying for an outreach. Look, boys, family, we've got outreach. No doubt in our mind, we're going to go there, witness to everyone, and we want everyone saved straight away. Don't we? That's, that's what we think. And listen, please look at that. But it don't always go like that. You know, it don't always go like that. But God has his way. You know, we put an outreach on at Settlescombe. Uh Put that on, didn't we, Settlescomb? Uh, I think one girl made a decision, but two people that go to that church now come here, who, got, who fellowshiped them, and they was looking for a church, and they come here. Do you know what I mean? So God had his way. Even if it was just we preached the gospel for, for a month or whatever it was, gospel's been preached, praise the Lord, seeds have been planted. But maybe that outreach was just for them two, that boy and girl, our brothers and sisters, to come here. God's, we have some plans, but God has plans. And God's plans will get accomplished. Yeah. Simple as that. He's God and we're not. But then it goes after there. And what I want to ask is before that. What have you purposed in your heart? What plans have you made? In your spirit, what have, you seek, have you seeked God about what he wants you to do? Because life, and this day-to-day living sometimes he ain't involved in our plans. What's your goal for in the next 12 months? What plans have you made in the Lord in the next 12 months? Do you want to be in the same place you are now, same seat, doing the same things, or do you want the Lord to take you on further? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the same like, state I am now as a Christian now. I want there to be an improvement next year. I want to be an improvement, and I want the Lord to do another work. Who knows? To be fair, when I got saved, I never thought I'd be here. In fact, never thought I'd even be in Charles Sutton seven years ago when I come here. But God has plans. So seek the Lord. Say, Lord, put your plans in my heart. Give it to God to prayer. And let the Holy Spirit lead you. Because it ain't... Christianity, church ain't just for five or six, ten people just that the Lord's going to use. He uses everyone. How many of us in here are part of the body? Who's part of the body of Christ? Everyone. Right? Now, I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. We've all got bodies in here. Right? Every one of us have got a body. If you cut your hand off, you are going to miss your hand. Try pick something up. If you've, yeah, I hurt me back about ten years ago. I didn't realize how important and how your back affects every part of your body. When I, when I was ill with my back, I couldn't pick nothing up, I couldn't reach, I couldn't put my socks on, no strength. But one part of the body affects the other part. So God's got a plan for all of us. And w- what direction we go in? The same direction. We all go the same direction. Right? Half your body don't want to go this way. And I don't want to go that way, does it? We go the same direction. And that's forward. So now there's a great disturbance, it says, in verse 23. It says, a great disturbance about the way for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen, and he called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, know that we have prosperity in this trade. Moreover, you see them here, they're not only in Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia. This Paul was persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. Now, Luke uses the term the way. They call them the people of the way. Antioch, those first called Christians in Antioch, in Acts it says. That's what the unsaved called them. They called them Antioch. They're Christians because they're Christ-like, but... Christians call themselves the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me or by me. So that's how they describe themselves. Through the book of Acts, it's generally the way. Because there's one way, isn't it? Nowadays, and I think it might be a better thing to use, because everyone seems to take the name of a Christian. When you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they say they're Christian. Catholics say they're Christian. Jesus only say they're Christian. But not, that's why when people say to me, a Christian, I say, either, where'd you go to church? Or which Jesus do you believe in? And they sort, sort it out straight away. But that's why we can't be gullible and think everyone's a Christian. There's so many people that I've had things sent to me, is this person any good, that person any good? I'm not, you know, I can't tell you about every Bible teacher that's ever been. But one thing I do, this is what I do do. When I do check up my Bible teachers, one, I make sure they believe they are born again. I'll, check, I'll go on their website and I'll check their statement of faith. Are they, do they believe in the Trinity? If they don't believe in the Holy Trinity, then they're not Christians. Simple as that. They're not Christians. Because God's triune, isn't he? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three and three persons. If they don't believe that, no way. Ain't and your brother and sister in Christ. They're in a cult. I believe that. Jesus is the only way to salvation through Christ alone. I believe that. Right, there are certain things we have to believe. Because you have to believe them because the, they the things that you're saved by. You can't say, oh, they're my brother and sister and they don't believe in the Trinity. It's a different God. It's a complete different God. So we have got to check out who we listen to. Because I know I've been sent a uh, man, a black T.D. Jakes, or a black fella. I sent through to me. A few people sent me through to me. These are Jesus only. He believes that Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He believes Jesus is all three. How can that happen? You know, when you say, when, when uh, Stephen looked up, when he was stoned, and he says, he looked up and he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. That's a, It's madness, but that's why we gotta check people out. You can't just take in what pe- people say. Check me out. Get the Word of God wherever I preach. Just, just, I listen, go for it. Say, listen, you was wrong. I want to be corrected. I'm gonna get judged severely for what I teach up on this pulpit. I'll take it very. I'm very serious about it, because what I say, I'll claim that. I'll claim. Listen to what representing what God says. It's going out live on the Facebook, so how many people are going to watch that? Oh, God, this is a serious thing. Speaking on behalf of God, and loads are going to listen. Some are not even going to bother to check out what you say. What if I say check... What about if I go wrong? How would you know? What about if Joseph goes wrong, or Charles goes wrong? How would you know? That's why you're encouraged to bring these every week. Amen. Bring that every week. Check it out. No, that, don't say that, brother. You're wrong. No, Listen, I can take it. I can take it. If I'm scripturally wrong, I can take it and I'll be corrected. No, no, listen, I've been corrected loads of times. Loads of times. We don't know everything. But there's this commotion. Right? And listen, this is what the gospel does. When the gospel goes out, it, like they turn the world upside down, it, it, it does something. When we preach the gospel to someone, when we tell someone the gospel... It does something, doesn't it? Some people want to get older and punch your face in. Some people will just go, oh, fair enough, that's just for you. Some people get saved. But it does something. It doesn't, it? It, wherever you go, out, it does something. And listen, they, and when, the, when these are going here, and, the, and that was the problem here, what was happening. Right? They're going to this temple diner in Ephesus. And I've got it, the t- things here. It's one of the seven wonders of the of the world. It was 400 feet long, 250 foot wide, 60 foot high, and held up by 135 marble columns. So it's a big old, big old thing, wasn't it? I don't know how many feet this all is. How far would you say this all was in feet? What? Well, how much? 60 foot. 60 foot? Well, it'd be from here roughly Well, longer, wasn't it? To that, to right back to the car park. It's a big old temple. You know, Paul, don't mess about. When he goes somewhere, he ain't going to cower that he's a Christian or cower beyond the truth. Listen, he didn't go and attack Diana, did he? He didn't go and attack that goddess, but he, he told the truth. Yeah, you can't. Listen, we can't be scared or hide who we are as a Christian, because some people might get offended. The gospel is offensive. When you tell someone the gospel and you say, listen, if you don't repent of your sins, you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you're going to hell. Who likes to hear that? I didn't like to hear it, but it's true. And when when Jesus comes into a family, especially if you're the first one, your family can turn against you. But we don't cower. Listen, you can say, look, you are doing all that, that's fine, but I'm a Christian. They might call your names, but listen, I belong to Jesus. But we don't go, we can't go back. And sometimes, listen, believe me, if you're getting attacked, sometimes you feel like taking a step back. But that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to go forward. Listen, we we don't we're not ignorant. We don't have a go, have a we've got to show Christ, gotta show love. But we stand. That's what we do, we stand. There's nothing better. Then, taking a stand for the Lord in your family, and then one of them gets saved. And then you think, Lord, I oh know I took all that abuse, but they got saved. There's nothing better. Salvation's the greatest gift, and the what, what, Lord giving Himself, what's better than that? And you've got a family member in heaven with you. But all that remains of this temple, and listen, when we're do, doing the museum again, so we'll go up there one week, won't we? We'll go up there. And we'll show you. All that's left of this temple, it's about as high as that, or a little bit higher than that microphone stand, of one of the pillars left of, Ephesus, of that temple. A few years of it. That's all that's left. The gospel's still out today. Amen. The gospel's still getting preached today. That never stopped. That never stopped. But listen, look. This man, Demetrius, he's worried, isn't he? Demetrius the coppersmith. Because look, all Paul's done was teach the truth. That's it. Talk the, talk the truth and witness. That's, all, that's, that's what we do. We stand upon the truth of the Word of God and we preach the gospel. That's it. You do them things. things uh, Whatever happens out the world, it happens out of the world. Nothing to do with me. That's the world. But I was, I was watching a thing today. In the 1860s in London, uh, William Booth started the Salvation Army. He went to the east end of London to the slums. And there's all people who couldn't afford to live in, in places. All they spent their money on was drink. And there's fighting, killing one another. And he went there. Right? And he just went there to preach the gospel. He said, this is who the Lord's called me to do, to reach these people. His church were against him going. They said, look, you might have this... you know, God might be telling you to go there. but We think your teaching ministry will be better there, be better served here. We might let you go now and again. And he just walked to the door... And they said, where are you going? And they said, the meeting's not over. He went, yes, it is. He said, I'm going where God's called me to go. And he walked out. And he went there. He went to the east end of London, preaching the gospel. They used to, Salvation Army, used to walk through the streets with the bands, used to play all the music, sing Christian songs. And he went there to witness. This was the 1860s in Victorian times. And he went there and he preached the gospel that affected the area. Pubs were shutting. The drunkards were getting saved and pubs were shutting down because of the effect of the gospel. Just like Paul was doing here, it was causing problems to the business. It don't just happen there in Paul's day in 150, 200 years ago, wherever it was. It's still happening. Other countries is happening. I think it's George Muller as well in uh, America. The pubs were shutting there because they was preaching the gospel. Because Jesus Christ changes people. Amen. It don't leave you the same. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, He don't leave you the same. He don't, does He? And what's there to go back? People say, "Back." What's there to go back to? If I went back to me, if I was where I was now, I'd probably be on my own. I was an old drunkard. But Jesus Christ comes in and changes a man or a woman. And when He changes them, He never leaves them the same. And then look, when you read in the New Testament, they never go back. They don't go back. It's forward. It's forward, and that's what a Christian has to do. We have to go forward. Forward in Christ. But the enemy will try and remind you of what happened years ago. Well, how it used to good, it was in the world. Show you all the good times you had. Never shows you the bad times, does he? you never shown. When that old whisper comes, you never think of the bad times. It's always the good times. There's no good times in the world. I enjoyed my time in the world, but it's nothing compared to living for Jesus. Amen nothing. and Listen, I know I've heard your testimonies in here, what the Lord's done for you all. there's nothing better than Jesus nothing but listen, look at the end of the day what this boiled down to Demetrius will not worried about the temple of Dinah, he will not worried about his goddess it was the prophet it was money that's what it was, basically he's saying no, look we made no small profit we made a nice profit out of this Oh, and they bring Dinah into disrepute. Her magnificence be gone. Because it's money. You know, and, that's, and look, even today it's the same, because in 1 Timothy 6 10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. And it does. How many times have you seen it? How many times have you seen it? I'm going to go here, give myself a few quid. And they, they just drift away. They just never sin again. They've wandered. They go. Because of that. And it's, it's, it's the same today. I think travellers are more for that today than what they've ever been. Because so I remember years ago, right? Listen, my family used to go fruit picking and appling and all that, right? I remember years ago, loads of people used to do it. When I was a little boy, loads of families would be there. And everyone had the same. Right, they got photos of Darth Church of us when we were children. They got the clothes out of the jumble cell. If you're old enough to know what a jumble cell is, right? That's where, they got the, that's where we had the clothes and that's how we were dressed. And I looked back and I thought, mate, hey, you didn't listen. you was happy at the time, you didn't care. But today, no one would walk into a jumble cell. I'm not going in now. Sure, I'm going to have someone's second hand old jumper on. But people are like that. They're more worried about outward appearance now, aren't they? It's not what's inward, it's what's outward. And money seems, well, not for me, but a lot of people seem to get it easy now. Seem to just get it. But Jesus ain't, it's never Jesus centred, is it? Because listen, I don't care what someone's got. If they're a multimillionaire, who cares? Nothing to do with me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus for it. And if you've got two mites to rub together, praise Jesus for that as well, because he's provided them two mites. Who cares what people's got? I ain't worried about that. It's about where Jesus is in it. That's what the difference is. is Jesus at the centre. Because I see far too many now just drifting. That money just takes hold. And that's the last days, isn't it? Men become lovers of themselves. It's the last days. It that one. Because, look, Jesus provides. Whatever you've got, Jesus provides. But if he's provided that, you ought to stick with him. You ought to stick with him. You can always tell. You can always tell, right? Like, look, and I know this, and I, I don't... When someone's got full and plenty, and it's, I know people has got full and plenty, it's people, I know people like that. When I won't take a day off work to go witnessing for the gospel, or take time out to do something for the Lord, you, because they might lose a day's work, which you wouldn't earn. Then, you know, Jesus ain't the centre, is he? Because when we serve the Lord, we remember in the story in the Old Testament, it says um, when David went to buy the, the temple, well, it, would, it would be the temple, Mount Moriah, the threshing floor of uh, Arunah, Aruna? he brought the threshing floor. And the man said, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And David went, how can I take some, give something to the Lord which has cost me nothing? When we serve the Lord, it costs. It costs. Whether it's money, time, whether with my, with me, it's my children after the time. Being in ministry, it's my children. But there's a cost for serving the Lord. There's a cost and we've got to be willing to go, right, well, fair enough. And there's some days, listen, it, I know brothers have had it hard and, and still gone. But the blessings are for eternity, it's for serving the Lord. We ain't going to get to weapon, and go, you know, we go, why didn't you go that day when I prompted you out to go and I led you to go that way, you go, well you know, I needed an extra cut of hundred quid just to, I don't know, put a new bumper on my motor or whatever. I need to go, what's that? That's wood iron stubble, isn't it? When you could have had gold, silver and precious stones while serving the Lord, just go, no, Jesus take the back seat until Sunday morning. We serve Jesus. And listen, you never regret serving the Lord. That's one thing when we get to heaven There ain't going to be no regrets up there about going, oh, I did too much, because we never did too much. We can never do enough. But what you have done for the Lord, you won't regret for doing it. You won't regret for doing it. And Paul said, he even, look, this is how powerful Paul's message was, right? Paul was some man, wasn't he? I think he's one of my favourites. When I read about Paul, he's one of my favourites, because in chapter 17, he says that God don't dwell in a temple made with hands. That's Paul's message. He's in ancient Greece. And that wherever you go, is full of idolatry. But he's some man. Because he didn't cower. Idolatry is idolatry. Paul preached the truth. He didn't just go there. He didn't walk up to the temple of Diana and go, preach against that. What's the point of preaching to a temple? Who goes in temples? People. That's who he wants to reach. People. That's who he's reaching. It's more right, look, ain't right about, it, look, let's try and get Temple of Diana shut down. No, let's go and tell people about Jesus. Amen. You want Temple of Diana shut down? Get the people safe going to it. Amen. That's the way you get it shut down. But what they've done, this is what they've done in verse 28 and 29. It says, Then uh, when they heard this, they were full of anger, these uh, Demetrius' his mates, and they cried out, with greatest Diana of the Ephesians. It says, And the old city was filled with confusion and rushed to the theatre with one accord and we see, see Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go in, the disciples wouldn't allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, were pleading with him that he would not venture into the theatre. They're all upset now. One man's got everyone at it. That's what's happened. One man's got them all at it. Someone's got to get it. And his Paul's mates, his travel companions, have been dragged into this amphitheater. The amphitheater is the bit, there today. You can see that. They're still there today in, in, in Ephesus. And he's dragged it. And, um, I've seen videos on the YouTube. You could stand at the top and someone could be just talking in a normal conversation and you can hear it clear as day at the top. They was recording it. So imagine this. And they're all going to be screaming in a minute, the noise that it's making. Right? And Paul here, Paul's gone, well, they've dragged him in. I'm gonna go in there. Now my thinking is that maybe Paul's thinking, well, this is my opportunity for the gospel. Most of the cities in there. One shot I can get get at them. But his mates went, No, look, you're not going in. You're not going in. Maybe they thought Paul was too important. Maybe the Lord went, No, I ain't gonna allow him to go in. Because Paul weren't worried when you read that all what Paul went through as a as a Christian for the Lord. He's, you know, like I said before, been left for dead, shipwrecked. He had uh, whipped three or four times. He's been, for all this, to me he ain't bothered. He wasn't just some prim and proper man walking in with a certain tie on. You could tell Paul would have been well-weathered, wouldn't he? He's been. You ever seen people that's been outside, where life always worked, the fields have always been outside. We was watching, uh, me and Mary the other day, was watching stuff from the 1980s. Things on YouTube, like the old TV shows and things like that. That was on there saying, look, we're, you know, we're 20, we're 21. They look 40-year-old. They look 40-year-old. Because they was weathered. And that's the, And Paul was. He, he wasn't just some clean old boy going in. He was a man of God. And he just, like, he just went for it wherever. He didn't care if it pleased or offended. Did he? He wasn't that type of man to go, look, right, hold up a minute. He's thinking in his mind... Let's preach the gospel. And we're all called to preach the gospel. Every one of us. Whether you can talk one-on-one, or whether you can go to a group of people and tell them all about Jesus. But everyone is called to preach the gospel. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. that's what we've got to do. And I've got this old, in verse 32. It says, some cried one thing and some cried Another. And the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude. The Jews put him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make a defence to the people. But when they found out he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out. About two hours, great is dying of the Ephesians. Now most of the city's got there now, and don't know what is, don't even know why they're there. It's mob rule, isn't it? They've all just, oh, we're joining, we're joining. So they're going, and some old Jewish man's got up, trying to speak, really, to the, to the Greeks at that time. They couldn't distinguish between Judaism and Christianity. They thought Christianity was going to come out of Israel it was a Jewish religion. That's what, And they couldn't split the two. So this dear old boy's got up. Basically, they go, look, we're not with them. And they've started on him. Two hours. He's got up, and, look, and what they've done, instead of listening to the man... Instead of listening to him, what they've done, they've just hollered him down. That's, him. That's what they've done, they've hollered him down. That's, and when, this is what I want to talk about as well. When people ain't got an argument, because we're going to witness to so many people in our faith, people always got things to ask questions. And when you've answered a question, a lot of the time what they do, they either try and be argumentative, they try and shut you down, or they make fun of you. Which, when they start to do that, they've lost the argument, haven't they? Because they start pointing at you, saying all things about you. You think, well, like I didn't know. Do you know what I mean? But listen, they've, but they've lost the argument. But Christians are the same. Christians are the same today. I've got people don't. I've listened. Well, don't talk. I'll talk to anyone. There's Christians who don't like, don't really like me because I chat to them about things and I disagree with them. And then they, just, they start laughing at you and saying all things. But, well, I ain't bothered. I've got other things. I ain't going to waste my time and worried about what people think. But none of us are meant to discourage one another. Some other brother or sister could be discouraged by that and not be fricked to open their mouth. As you can tell, I'm not really worried about opening my mouth or not. It tends to get me in more trouble than enough. But, but listen... Right? As Christians, we're one body in Christ. We're one body. Right? Simple as that. This ain't, ain't just Gypsy, gypsy, gypsy Church and Gorgia Church. We're one. Amen. Simple as that. We're one body. We're brothers and sisters. The world's hard enough, isn't it? It's hard enough being a Christian as it is. Let's not attack one another. That's not... That's not look, No, people have differences of opinion on things, don't they? End times. There's people with differences of opinion on end times. Right? Loads of people disagree with me on it. But then we just go, right, you believe that, I believe this. There you go. I'm going to go home, have a second, and go to bed and not think about it no more. Right? That's it. We can't take everything to heart. We're one in Christ. And that's the trouble. We're never called to cross. We're not called to. Uh, I said Sunday. No one is called with the gift of ripping and tearing down. No one. No one's called to attack their brothers and sisters. No one's called to do that. We're not wolfbusters, right? We're called to love one another. Jesus said, "They know you by your love you've got for one another." So, what good would it be me going about attacking my brothers and sisters over the after time, something that's trivial? It's love. But listen, we're one body, and don't forget it. Don't forget it. And there's going to be some times in here, you disagree with me on something, and I disagree with you. We don't all agree on everything. Listen, there's been times, Katie, I use Katie as an example, because she asked us a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't always agree with everything Katie comes out with. Believe you or not. But... Listen, there's no harm in that. She donate me because I don't agree with her. And I donate her because she don't agree with me sometimes. It's like things that, obviously if, if Katie gave me a message and said I don't believe in the Trinity no more, then then obviously then uh, that wouldn't go down as well. Because that's a doctrine that we've got to believe. Do you understand? The things that if Katie believes something different about end times or something, so what? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? The Book of Revelation. You know, listen. When you get to the Book of Revelation, some of it, where John's trying to describe things that's happening in the future, we're trying to put what's happening there in it. We can't do that. We can't take events what's happening now and fix them into the Bible. We can't do that. It's not right. You take the Word of God, the Word of God, and you interpret it by that. Because you can't, look, at the minute, people's talking about Russia, Gog and May, Gog invasion, things like that. And, listen, saying that's going to be it, I don't see it. Why? Because all the Arab nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 aren't involved. We can't just go, right, that's it, that's it. World War III was meant to happen at the start of COVID, remember? Trump, we don't take events that's happening and go, right, let's try and fit that there. It don't work. People say the mark of the beast is a microchip. How do you know? Because we see in America some train companies got microchips out. We don't know that. We don't know what it's going to be. But I do know, the, the word they talks about, the mark, is, a, is a, you know, like they brand cattle. You see in the old westerns, when they get the hot poker and they brand the cattle with it, that's what the word means, to be branded. So we can't just take things what we hear and go right, that's that and that's that. We use the Bible to interpret. Simple as that. That's why I don't get too hung up on about it, about in time stuff after time, because we could all be wrong. But in in the end of it, verse thirty-five. This uh, unsafe leader gets up, and a city clerk and he quieted the crowd. And he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the whole city of Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana? And the image that fell down from Zeus. Right? So that image, I've read a few things. They believed that was a meteorite. That landed there. That's what they believed it was. A meteorite that came out of space and landed there. They believed in many gods at that time, the Greeks. So I believe that's gone he's just, he's just gonna go up there now and think, really, what he's saying is. These dear men never had a clue. That's what he's going to say. And he says, Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. Right, because he knows in a minute, if, if it gets too much, if it gets too much, Rome would get involved. And if Rome gets involved, they could wipe that whole city out, because Rome was in control. He says, For you brought these men here, who are neither robbers, of temples, nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open, and so are the proconsuls. So he's saying, that don't do nothing rash. Because even the governor knew that Paul and the, these Christians ain't even spoke, ain't even blasphemed against your goddess. They ain't started against that. And I think that's something for us. Because Christians can get so involved with trying to solve this problem of the world, this going on in darkness, talking against this God, that God, that God. Right? What, did, what, did it, what happens to darkness when you turn a light on? If I turn the lights off here and turn the light on, what happens to the darkness? It goes. And that's what Paul done. He didn't, when he went to Mars Hill, when he preached on Mars Hill, in fact, he used the, the unknown God as a witnessing opportunity. The one that you worship, the one you don't know about. Don't worry about this problem's going on, that problem's going on. The way that problem would get dealt with is by the preaching of the gospel, people getting saved, people coming out from amongst it. You can't expect men in darkness to not do dark things. We can't expect men in darkness to come out of a dead religion that they're in if they're still in darkness. They've got to be brought into the light. The light of Jesus Christ, I am the light of the world. We've got to show them Jesus. We can talk all we want. You can't make the world Christians. God makes Christians. Yes. Right? They say this, was a, this ain't a Christian country we live in now. This is an atheist country. They don't believe in God at all. In fact, now, people can come on telly now and say whatever they want about Jesus. Atheists are on there all the time talking about Jesus and mocking him. It's not a Christian country. Now, listen, look. Thank the Lord it ain't. I'll tell you why. Because the church has got so comfortable in this country that now we've got 30 of these each home. We sit in, study that, won't go tell, preach the gospel to no one, and they're going, well, we got comfortable. But churches in Muslim countries and countries where they're under persecution, with some countries, all they've got is one page, and they take that page and they swap it every month. Multitudes are getting saved. The light's getting switched on in them countries and we're dimming it down. We're dimming it down. Getting comfortable in church. What good is that? Getting comfortable in church. I love church. I love coming here. I love worshipping the Lord here. And the Bible says we've got to go to church. We've got to assemble together. But, listen. The idea of this, we come together encourage, build one another up, to go out for another week, preach the gospel and try and get people saved. That's what we do. What good is it? It's like I see a picture once. It says the church has got to be the light of the world and there's a picture of a church and it had windows round the top of it like that. There was darkness outside and the only light was what was shining out from the windows going outside. That ain't no good. We're the church. In fact, Jesus says we are the light of the world. You know, a lamp put under a lampstand or something can't be... You know, it's not going to give us light. A city on a hill cannot be hid. We've got to be like that. People have got to know we're Christians. You can't work with someone or be friends with someone and they don't know that you're born again. They've got to know that you're born again. If they don't, then really, thanks the matter with you. Because how could you spend time with that person, love that person... You've got the greatest gift that, of Jesus Christ himself that we've got to give everyone and yet we won't open our mouth. Let's saint the matter, aren't they? That's saint the matter. We've got the best news. We've got, we've got the news that we can go in a dark place. When we witness, we're going into darkness, aren't we? That's where we're going. We've got the lamp. We've got the Lord. We've got the lamp. And we're going in and we want to make it light wherever we're going. That's what, we, that's what we do. We're in a dark world and we've got the light. And that's it. We win people. That's what it's about. this. we've got a convention next week. Listen, the convention ain't about going there and looking all cushy, right? That ain't what it's about. Listen, I'm not saying don't get all nice things, do what you just want. But the goal of the convention is to reach the lost and get them saved, Amen. not just to sit in my trailer and go to a few meetings. It's to get people safe. That's the, the goal of it. Because to be fair, why do I want to? If if it ain't, what's the, I don't want to drive miles upon miles to go there and go to a few meetings, spend a load of money. What? I can go to church here. I want to see the Lord move. I want to get involved. I want you to get involved. We want to get involved. That's what I love about it here. When we go got an outreach and things, everyone gets involved, don't they? Everyone gets involved because We want to reach the lost, it's about reaching the lost for the Lord. Because it ain't about when I get to heaven, right? Look, what good wouldn't it be nice to see people that you've witnessed to and because you shared your faith with them, you've reached them for the Lord? They've got saved and they're there because not for our glory but for His glory. But you think, Lord, I served you an area. Family, it's like it look like Paul said in Romans, he said, Look. He said, I'll give my own life for me people to be saved. For my family to be saved, I'll gladly lay down my life. Gladly. Because I want them saved. Even the thought of anyone in my family going to go to well, I I can't bear it. I can't bear the thought of it. I want them saved. And right at the end, right at the end, he says, in verse 4, he says, We're in danger of being called into question for the day's uproar being no reason by which we may give an account for this disorderly gathering. And when they had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. When he says that he called in the, we could be called in a question, Rome, they could get, Rome could get involved. And then Rome would wipe the whole city out. So he made the, the man who ruled made them behave himself. But like I said, all this has gone on here. And that's a big old portion of scripture to talk about this city, to talk about what went on there. But it's great temple diner. But all all that's left at that time is that marble pillar of it. And Paul's preaching of the gospel is going on today. We're reading about our Paul did today, and we're going out preaching the gospel, it's never ending. You know what's he say? Earth and heavens will pass away, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. Never ending word of God. That's what we got. And that's why, brothers and sisters, I wanted to encourage you. Paul had our time on this earth was a witness for the Lord. Went through a lot, but don't be discouraged. Because God had his plans, and God accomplishes his plans. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, my God.